0: Welcome to the Peak RFP Podcast. My name is Luke Hussle. I am a physical therapist here at Peak Rehab and today we're excited to join uh, with Dr. Doug Phillips. He is board certified orthopedic surgeon at Legend Orthopedics. He also is currently serving as the president of Legend Orthopedics and he does a lot of joint replacements, hips, knees, shoulders and today we're going to talk with Dr. Phillips about anatomic and reverse shoulder replacements. So we see a lot of shoulder replacements in the in the clinic. It's definitely a, a popular surgery out there today. And so a lot of folks are getting them. So we're excited to have Dr. Phillips in with us to uh, talk about shoulder replacement. Dr. Phillips, good to see you.
1: Thanks, Luke. Thanks for having me.
0: Okay, so we're just going to jump in and talk about, we we really have two types of shoulder replacements, right? We have what's called the anatomic shoulder replacement and the reverse shoulder replacement. A little bit of a, kind of what's the, the basic difference between those two, and then we'll get into talking about why you do one versus the other. So if we're talking about an anatomic shoulder replacement, what are we talking about?
1: So you have the arm bone or humerus which has a ball on it and uh, the shoulder joint is a ball and socket joint. Right. Um, the socket is called the glenoid and that's part of the shoulder blade or scapula and in an anatomic shoulder replacement, we go in and we cut the bone of the humerus and take the ball out. Okay. And then we place a stem down in the bone with a metal ball on the end of it. Yep. And then as far as the socket or the glenoid, we put a plastic socket uh, and we cement that onto the glenoid or the shoulder blade. Yeah. And yeah. so that is replacing ball and socket in a like relationship. Was. That's right. That's right.
0: Um, you know, typically with that anatomic shoulder replacement, the other anatomy, you know, we're going to talk about rotator cuff anatomy in a little bit. This is typically one, so you've got some arthritis in this ball and socket joint, right? We've got some rough edges. The rotator cuff is usually in good shape uh, if we're going to do an anatomic repair or or not necessarily?
1: So that's a very important decision to that we thing that we look at. So the rotator cuff has to be intact for the anatomic shoulder replacement. Right. So if you have... Uh, a rotator cuff tear or uh, a rotator cuff that's not functioning well, you would not choose to do an anatomic shoulder replacement. Uh, The reason for that in order for the anatomic shoulder to function well, the rotator cuff has to be intact right, because right. it could be unstable, dislocate, not be, have full range of motion.
0: Yeah, the, the rotator cuff serves to compress and pivot that ball and socket well, right? And so when that is dysfunctional, you can't, you know, the anatomic, you know, doesn't work very well, right? And so, you know, we, we typically see that motion can sometimes be uh, more difficult to get back or, you know, may not come back at all sometimes if that rotator cuff is, is not in good shape. Uh, so that's a really important difference uh, between that anatomic, I think, and the reverse, right? All right, so the anatomic is, is replacing those anatomic pieces, just as they were before, right? With a with a new ball and a new socket. Let's talk about the reverse shoulder replacement a little bit. What it is, um, keeping in mind what we just talked about, uh, and um, and why you do that. So, what's the difference with the reverse shoulder replacement?
1: So we actually reverse or change the placement of the ball in the socket. So same. We go in and we cut the humerus or the arm bone. We take the ball out. Right, same
0: way that you did with the other.
1: Just like with the anatomic shoulder replacement. And then we put a stem down in the humerus or arm bone, and we put a tray that has a socket, a plastic socket on it. So we're changing where we put the socket. And then with the glenoid or the socket, we actually... Put a metal plate on there with screws to hold it in place, right? And then we place a metal ball yeah. on that plate. So yeah. we're taking the metal, taking the ball off of the humerus and placing it on yeah. the glenoid.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's really it's really cool. You know, when when patients talk about a, a reverse replacement, you, it's funny how many different ideas patients have about what that is you know but it's it's really neat how we just take the ball that was on one side we put it on the other side we put a socket on the on the other side and um, i'll tell you as a physical therapist in the clinic we've seen really some great motion with the reverse shoulder replacement Uh, why would you do a reverse versus a standard anatomic so
1: the rotator cuff is one big
0: consideration if you
1: have a rotator cuff tear that is Not repairable, right? That's been there for some time and you can't fix it, the muscle is not functioning well, uh, then, and you have arthritis, pain in the shoulder, then I would consider the reverse shoulder replacement. Another indication would be instability. If the shoulder is loose or unstable, Which can occur with arthritis because of the amount of wear of that glenoid or socket. So uh, it is not a stable situation. That's another indication for the reverse because it is more constrained, which is a fancy engineering term, Uh but that just means it's more stable. Right. Um, And another indication would be a fracture. Okay. If someone falls and has a fracture of that upper part of the arm bone or humerus, uh, the reverse is a very good operation in that situation. The
0: reverse shoulder replacement, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, has really allowed you guys to to do so much more good work with shoulders that previously was going to be a struggle because of things like there's tons of fractures. I mean, there's tons of folks with a bad cuff or a torn cuff and trying to do a shoulder replacement anatomic style before that, the results were maybe that were more difficult to get good results. Uh, is, that, is that true? That's very true. We were limited before the reverse.
1: Uh, we had the hemiarthroplasty right? And fractures, right. which is a partial shoulder replacement, yeah. but the results were marginal at best. Sure. I mean, patients, it would get rid of the pain, but their function was yeah. not as good as they would like. Right, they, they were not able to to reach as high or do things that they wanted to do. But now with the reverse, we have a procedure to offer them that can right. really dramatically improve the results.
0: Yeah. yeah, I'll tell you what. You know, I've been in PT about twenty years. I know you've been in orthopedic surgery a little longer than that. And, you know, my first maybe five to ten years of working with shoulder replacements, you know, it was just kind of like, look, this motion is hard to get back. That's not the same anymore. You know, I am looking for great motion out of these folks and really have have been impressed with how this procedure has helped to facilitate that. Uh, Let's just clean up for a minute. You know, a lot of patients will say, hey, why can't I just have a rotator cuff repair, right? So, you know, why do a replacement versus a rotator cuff repair? So it's a little bit of, we've been talking about replacement, but let's clean that up for a second. You know, when the patients ask you that, what, what, why do I do a rotator cuff repair or a shoulder replacement?
1: So that's a great question. One thing that helps us make that decision is how long has the rotator cuff been torn? Mm. If it's an acute tear, most of the time we can repair it or at least try to repair it sure. and have a good result. But if the tear has been present for, let's say, a year, yeah. then it's hard to get that tendon back to its original location because it's scarred into position. Sure. And also, the muscle itself, the red meaty part of the muscle, right. uh, has atrophied and has been replaced by fat. Right. And even if you could get the tendon reattached, it doesn't work.
0: You're, yeah. You know, those, those muscles that have been uh, sitting there doing nothing for a year, you know, have no electricity in them. And when we, yeah, you know, you can reattach them, but turning them back on and then being functional, that's a different ballgame. Yeah, Absolutely okay so again you've you know um, let's talk about some surgical considerations right so I'm having a shoulder replacement I just want to talk about the first zero to six weeks uh, Caleb and I are going to be doing a podcast on the rehab side of a, of a shoulder replacement but let's talk from the surgeon side um, obviously people are in a sling for six weeks that's pretty standard correct correct uh, anytime people are in a sling longer I, than six weeks or shorter? Uh, Not typically, right?
1: No, I typically stick with that six-week time frame uh, with the reverse shoulder replacement. I think it the patients do very well, and they may be inclined to <laughs> try to get more, rid of that thing, right? do yeah. more than right. we want them to do, right. and right. so I try to be firm with them. Uh, and I think it it helps them realize that that it's still healing, right. that the bone is actually growing to right. the parts, and they can try to do too much, right? And so right. I think that's just a reminder
0: you know you know on the rehab side we say look this first six weeks is for protection and gent and range of motion now i mean gentle range of motion because we want good bone healing we want good soft tissue healing and so you know we're in there working on gentle range of motion there should be minimal pain in this first six weeks i mean everybody has surgical pain right but you've seen that pain is usually pretty good i tell patients if you're having a lot of pain you're doing too much or we're, something's, you know, is that is that what you see as well?
1: Yes. I think one thing that I noticed when I started doing the reverse shoulder replacement is the pain level postoperatively was low. And when compared to a rotator cuff right. repair, I noticed the patients had less pain, which was interesting because... It's a bigger surgery sure. as far as we're cutting bone and putting right. in screws and different things. But it has been very true that yeah. the pain level has been pretty low, and I think patients are able to progress that range of motion uh, in a protected fashion that, that's with a right. the therapist. That's right, that's uh, right. And it has been remarkable how uh, they can progress with that motion and the pain level should be low that's right and if they are doing too much then they have pain it's uh, it's their body telling them shut it down a little bit back off that's right
0: all right so uh, you have a couple follow-ups usually in this zero to six weeks so you typically see folks at two weeks and then again around six weeks correct correct tell me tell what what do you do with that two-week follow-up so the first
1: two weeks, the most important thing to the surgeon is wound healing. Mm-hmm. You want to see that wound heal. You want uh, the swelling, you know, from the surgery right. to be right. decreasing. Right. All of those things are normal. There's some pain initially you know, it takes time for the wound to heal, swelling to go down. So that's the key, the first two weeks. That first
0: two, three weeks, patients are going to see some black and blue, what we call ecchymosis, right? They're going to see some black and blue into that chest and maybe into that bicep area and down there. That's very normal, right? Blood kind of drains downhill. So you'll see that down in the leg, arm rather. We're always checking that and, and telling folks, yep, this is what I expect to see. This will be gone in a couple weeks. So that's pretty standard, right? That black and blue that you'll see. And some people more than others, right?
1: Very common to see, you know, swelling, bruising, right? Uh, and gravity will pull that down into the elbow that's sometimes. Right. And patients may get concerned about that, but all that's very normal. That's right. And we can help comfort them and say, this yeah. looks normal. That's right. That's you know, right. So that... Um, is also a common thing at the two week follow-up to, to tell them, you know, ice, this is going to get better, right. work on your motion. That's right.
0: And we're doing in the clinic, you know, we're making sure we're getting the elbow moving gently. And so just to help to kind of get this fluid moving and things like that. So at that at that two week time, that that's very common. All right. You see them back at six weeks. I typically tell them, hey, you're going to get out of your sling most likely at six weeks, you know, right. And that's pretty standard. Tell me about your six week visit. So
1: six weeks, we come in to the office and we do a physical exam, check their motion. Right. Uh, See how good your therapist is at six weeks, right? See how things are coming along. (laughs) you know, obviously if there's any concerns, the patient will usually convey those. I can look at the therapy notes or call the therapist. That's right. That's right. uh, and, And talk about those. But most of the time they're progressing nicely. Um, and they're excited because they know that hey, you told yeah. me at six weeks I'm yeah. coming out of the yeah. sling, and yeah. so they're they're happy to hear yeah. you can get yeah. rid of the sling in yeah, six sure. weeks. And we get an X-ray and a right. six-week follow-up uh, to look at the parts or components that we, yeah. as we call them, yeah. uh, make sure everything looks good. Yeah, no doubt.
0: I, you know, for for the therapist in that first six weeks, you know, we have this six-week appointment in our mind. And so we're working on this motion and, you know, sometimes I know we surprise you in a, in a bad way, but we're trying not to have any surprises. Hopefully, hey, this thing's moving well and you're going to check that motion. Uh, and so we're hopefully have them ready to go when they come and see you. Uh, minimal pain, good motion, great healing. And then after that six weeks, we kind of start the gentle strength building phase. So we'll get you back to talk more about maybe a six to 12 week time frame and kind of what that looks like. Because I think you also probably bring them back at 12 weeks as well, or not so much with the shoulder. Is there a 12 week follow-up?
1: We do. We do okay. a 12 week follow-up, another x-ray, yeah. and check things. Yeah, and, yeah good. Yeah.
0: Okay, so we talked about the differences between an anatomic and a reverse shoulder replacement. We talked about the rotator cuff a little bit, and then of course, kind of what that first six weeks looks like for the patient. Uh, so excellent, Dr. Phillips, it was good to talk to you today to kind of get what are you guys seeing and what are you looking at when you're uh, working with the patient and the reverse and uh, anatomic shoulder replacement. So. Thank you so much for coming in. I look forward to some more podcasts with you in the future.
1: Thanks for having me, Luke.